Hello, Internet, and welcome once again to the Always Online Multiplayer Gaming Podcast, brought to you by MMOBomb.com, your home for all things multiplayer related. I'm your host, Mike Byrne, aka Magic Man, as always, and this is episode 491, I think? Yeah, 491. Of course, we're doing the show live, twitch.tv slash MMOBomb, 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, if you care to join us with the rest of chat. They'll be chiming in with their opinions, I'm sure. If you're watching on YouTube, listening on Audible, Spotify, any of those, thank you so much. While you're there, give it a like, a subscribe, thumbs up, turn on those notifications, and of course, leave your weekly bombs and your question of the week answers down below in YouTube, on YouTube or on MMOBomb.com. That's what helps the most. And it's free. It's free. Joining me to go over all the fun stuff in multiplayer gaming this week, Ms. Quintlin Bowers. What's up, Q? Uh, not a whole lot. It's Friday, which is, you know, nice. It is Friday. I've got, you know, a weekend to get some of the stuff I need to do done before the patch hits an XIV. So. Yeah, coming up, coming up, uh, October 3rd, we get 6-5 and then off to 6-5-5 and then the long wait. The long, the un- long wait. Until the expansion. <laughs> Also on the line, Mr. Troy Blackburn, the noob fridge himself. What's up, boss? Let us know in the comments below as well. Is the edge of the brownie the grossest part of the brownie or the best part <laughs> the of the brownie? The edge of a brownie is the like a home baked in a you know baking pan. That is the best part. I can't believe you threw that away pre-show. This is so much blasphemy, and we can't be friends anymore. The middle of the brownie is 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 God. No. The edge is the best part. I have a cold and I would still eat the edge of a I would eat the hell out of an edge of a brownie right now. Just, <laughs> I would I would run the train on the edge of a brownie. <laughs> Let's slide over and get started with the news. What is wrong with you, chat? Edge of the Brownie is like Edge Browser, best ignored. What? Indeed. It is where it belongs in the trash can. Look. <laughs> I don't know if we can be friends. Like, this might be a deal breaker. This yeah, might be it, a it, deal absolutely, breaker. it absolutely is. <laughs> this is like ordering well-done steak. Yeah, Look, no, if we're, if we're ever around each other, I can cut the edge of my brownie off and just give it to you because I don't want it. Oh. So we can be best friends. How do, how do you eat your steak, Troy? Uh, medium rare. Okay. All right. Well, okay, that, that that's that's reasonable. That's an acceptable, acceptable. answer. Personally, that's an acceptable. You can go just pull the cow out of the field and walk it through a warm room and bring mm-hmm. it to me and we're good. Okay, so Driz in chat is right. You can't throw away the edge, but the squishy middle is the best. All right, I'll give you that. The squishy middle is probably the best. Man, that edge. Mm. 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 Love it. I mean, I like the entire brownie, but I love the edge. Takao says, hold on, I only eat steak well done. No. No. Well, I mean, if you don't like the question of the week this week, you just tell us how you like your brownie edges and your steak. Just <laughs> let us know. We'll bring them to next week's show. Uh, there will be a show next week as normal. Uh, there will be no show October 13th. Week off, I'll be in uh, New York at my son's college for a family weekend thing Friday and Monday. So no cast on October Friday, October 13th. We'll see you next week as normal, though, 
and then we'll have a week off before we return on October 20th. So speaking of returning, the news this week kind of was like, it was a weird week, right? Like Monday, Tuesday was just kind of like basic and people putting updates out and we're covering them on MMO bomb. And then, and then like Wednesday and Thursday, the gaming world burnt down. Like it just started burning down and a queue. I think you said tis the season, right? Like we're, we're heading into the Christmas season and here we go. Yeah. Oh, oh, that part. <laughs> I'm looking at the first post and I'm like, well, I mean, the first part is just like, like the zombie, down. right? The first part is like the zombie <laughs> that won't go away as the yeah, FTC yeah, yeah. has renewed its challenge to Microsoft's deal. Now, some some sites had this erroneously headlined or just kind of weirdly headlined. This isn't a new challenge from the FTC. Remember, they already have a hearing coming up in October. But what they were seeking originally was an injunction to stop the merger prior to that hearing. That's what they were in court for a while ago. Uh, and the courts found in favor of uh, Microsoft and Activision telling them, yeah, you're clear. Now, the FTC had the option to appeal that. Uh, they did. The court said, no, nah, it's fine. They had the option to appeal that again, of course, but they did not opt to do it at that time. They said, forget it. Which meant we were kind of in this space, Troy, where it looked like, yeah, the FTC is still going to challenge things in October, but you're clear to go ahead and merge. And by the time that hearing comes around, you'll already be merged. So the FTC will actually be seeking something a little bit different. They'll, you'll, they'll be seeking a divestiture, right? Like you got to split up now. Uh, so it'll, it'll work a little differently. Well, that changed this week when the FTC said, oh, no, you know, you know what? We are going to actually uh, let the appeal court appeals court rule and then continue to challenge this 21 days after the Ninth Circuit of Appeals issues its opinion regarding the appeal of the district court decision from the preliminary injunction hearing. I'm not really sure the strategy here, Troy. Yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on here either. They've waited so long now from the from their chance to appeal the appeal that it's weird because now nothing's going to get done before the the merger deadline that was set where they're going to where they're actually going to merge, but they're renewing their appeal in a way as if they're trying to prevent the merger. So I guess they're looking for another injunction here. And at this point it doesn't look like they're going to get it. They haven't gotten one in the past, so why would they get one now? There wasn't anything new in the arguments that I saw uh, in, in, the, in the filing or anything. There wasn't anything new or different that had changed. So I don't understand why they think this is going to work out any different than it did the first time. It's also weird, Q, because they are going to have their actual hearing hearing, too. That's still going to take place. The companies will just presumably, if the October 18th deadline holds that Microsoft and Activision set for itself, They'll just presumably be merged by the point of that hearing. So I'm I'm not really, I mean, unless they're hoping that the um, that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals actually says, oh yeah, this should have a preliminary injunction, which I just think is such a far reach that this really just feels like a waste of taxpayer funds at this point. I wonder if the reason they did it is because when they first went eh, whatever about it and decided they were going to wait, it was while the UK authorities were still 
And maybe they thought that the UK would just hold the entire thing up and they could roll with it without appealing. And now that they've more or less changed their minds, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Everything is all good there. Now they no longer have that sitting there to like do the work for them. So now they're back on it. Yeah, that's actually a really good point that, you know, now things in the with the CMA in the UK look to be headed in the right direction. They seem happy with the, you know, pushing of cloud to Ubisoft and then licensing from there. So you may be right there. Lulu Chang Maservi, CCO and EVP of Activision Blizzard, who honestly has some pretty great tweets uh, throughout this entire process. Uh, she really does not hold back. And, you know, whether you're a fan of, uh, of her or of Activision Blizzard as a whole. Set that aside. Some of the tweets are great. This one, no exception. In response to Bloomberg's reporting that the FTC the uh, was going to revive its challenge, Lulu said, uh, in response to questions about this, we're focused on working with Microsoft toward closing. How the FTC uses limited taxpayer resources is their decision, Troy. Yeah, I love that tweet. It was, it was kind of a... Uh, an opportunity to take a jab at them uh, because it does seem like weird timing and a, and a weird decision to, to renew this uh, at this point in time. We're going to watch it all play out as we continue to. I just still think this doesn't really get anywhere. I, I just really don't. I feel like if it were going to get somewhere, it would have gotten somewhere earlier on. And now with most of the other authorities being like, yeah, we're cool with it, whatever, including ones that were holding out for an extended period of time. I just don't really see our courts being like, yeah, we might as well waste more time and effort on this one thing when everybody else is finally cool with it. And Sony was throwing everything they could into the into the fire as well, and I don't feel like they're doing that at this point. I think they've sort of resigned themselves to the fact that it's it's going through, so uh, they're not screaming at the top of their lungs any longer either. Like, if you're seeking the preliminary injunction to stop the merger so that you can get to your hearing, you know, telling them they they officially can't, right? The injunction was just saying, stop. This needs to go to court for a full hearing first. Uh, before you even move. Uh, and then in that hearing, you present... But like when you try to get that injunction, you are usually presenting your highest-tier evidence on why this should not happen and why it needs to be examined more. And court and an appeals court have already ruled that, mm, nah, nah. There's not enough here to stop this and hold it for further review. I don't I can't imagine them like bringing up better evidence later down the line. You wanted that injunction. You lead with your big guns. Yeah. And your big guns weren't enough. I will watch it. But yeah, I'm I'm still pretty sure this is a done deal. Sticking with yeah, uh, act go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say I don't see any reason why this doesn't just go through without any any further problems. FTC is going to make problems, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whether those problems will actually do anything, we'll see. Uh, speaking of Activision Blizzard, interesting news this week as the man himself, Chris Metzen, returns to Warcraft as the executive creative director. Now remember, obviously Chris Metzen, uh, rather iconic in the world of Warcraft and Thrall and BlizzCon performances and you know well-liked in the community when it comes to the lawsuit 
uh, from the state of California about uh, alleged mispractice, uh, mispractice, mispractice, mis- malpractice. There it is. Found it. Found the word. There's the word. Words. Yeah. And mistreatment of employees. You know, Chris Metzen had departed and he did say, you know, I wasn't aware of this stuff, but I do recognize that maybe me not being aware of this stuff was a failure in my leadership. So taking responsibility while not really having to take responsibility for anything in particular, but at least an acknowledgement of, yeah, I probably failed as a leader because I wasn't aware uh, of this stuff to do something. He leaves, he goes and does his own thing with his tabletop stuff. That's well received. He comes back as an advisor not too long ago. We reported on it. And now he's the executive creative director for all things Warcraft. Initially, Q, this is going to be World of Warcraft itself. But then there is talk of other offshoots, things like TV shows, movies, you know, novels. He's going to be the, the man again as the executive creative director. Obviously ahead of BlizzCon, probably good news, right? Probably being used to generate hype, and man, the Look, paycheck Chris this Madsen, dude must have gotten, right? Chris <laughs> Madsen was basically the Steve Jobs of BlizzCon. Like, like you know how how the WWDC isn't just isn't the same now that Tim Cook is running it. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't have that same vibe, and it was the same way with like Metzen, you know, was really the vibe, vibe of BlizzCon. Like he was the guy that you were happy to listen to tell you that you wanted something that you probably didn't really want until after he told you you did. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's just the Warcraft universe, right? Yeah. And I, I've already seen people are already speculating, you know, like World of Warcraft two and and all of this stuff. But the thing about it is, is it could literally be anything. This is the man who wrote a children's book for World of Warcraft. So, yeah. I mean, it, it could be anything in the franchise. It doesn't necessarily have to be World of Warcraft two. I know a lot of people would like that. Um, and I'm not saying it's a bad idea. It might, you know, it actually might be a good idea to just kind of, you know, start over or whatever. But who knows where they're going to take it. Either way, it, I, I think it's actually pretty good news that he's back in there because if nothing else, he really does care about the property. Yeah. And obviously insanely involved in the lore. To Cal asking, explain this to me in 14 terms. Is he like a Yoshi P or an Oda-san as far as it comes to what he does on the game? Uh, kind of both, but for like the intents of this uh, intent of this discussion, probably more Oda-san. Uh, very involved with the lore, the creation, the characters, the backstories. But in his previous roles, he was also you know a Yoshi P uh, in as far as development and uh, thought process goes. So think- a little bit of both. Uh, An important thing to remember about Metzen is, is he was one of he was like one of the original people yeah. at Blizzard, but he was one of the youngest original people at Blizzard. He wasn't he wasn't one of the founders. He was he was staff, and and this was back when they were working on you know just the Warcraft and when they started building World of Warcraft, and they're all sitting around in the office trying to figure out. Uh, what Azeroth is going to look like, he just kind of drew it for them and went, here. Yep. Troy, he took to Twitter, well, first off, World of Warcraft took to Twitter saying, we're excited to share that Chris Metzen has taken on a full-time role as executive creative director of the Warcraft universe. 
funny because I do remember talking about this when he came as an advisor and we were like, okay, count down until he's full staff again. And here we are. Uh, right now, his main focus is supporting our World of Warcraft leadership in crafting the next generation of adventures. Chris was instrumental in developing the foundations of the Warcraft universe, and we're thrilled for him to rejoin our teams in shaping what's to come. At BlizzCon, he and the team will be sharing what we've been working on. We hope to see you there, so I'm sure BlizzCon will get a kick out of him yelling for the Horde as he takes the stage. Uh, Chris did tweet himself. He said, it's been amazing working on Warcraft again, like coming home. The stories we're developing right now, how the world unfolds over the next few years. Well, I can't wait for y'all to see where we're headed soon. Smiley face. Net good or net bad? I mean, recent expansions have been mixed results as far as reception, but he also had a hand in some of those more recent expansions. So this isn't like the return of when it was good. Yeah, and and then the next expansion at least has already got to be under development. So it's not like, you know, he, he's just now coming in. He's not going to completely, you know, re redo an expansion from the beginning onwards. Uh, it, it's already got to be in the process of being developed. So whatever is next is already in the works, so to speak. But uh, I, I could see this being more where he's more involved in, in other avenues of the universe, like movies and books and things like that. And, you know, obviously he's going to have a say in story at some point in, in the game, in the MMO. But how far down the road are we from from his work reappearing, you know, his ideas and, mm. you know, him being the leader of the creative story from appearing in the game itself. Kisasha comments on the piece. Uh, of course, they offered him an insane paycheck, which I'm sure they did, to get someone mm. well liked by the community back. And, and Q, you kind of have to at least respect that play because I think there's some truth to it. Activision Blizzard, particularly Blizzard, not a lot of positive press. Uh, in recent months or even years with Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 even having their woes over the last six months to a year. This is good PR, if if nothing else. Yeah, no, it's it's a smart move getting uh, Metzen back in. Like, it, like you said, he's somebody that people like. Even if you're not the biggest you know fan of blizzard products you don't play wow or whatever if you know if you're really in the gaming space you know who the hell chris metzen is and like you know it, as a general rule maybe not everybody but it, it, you know he's just one of those people that's you know pretty commonly liked right. and especially by the community one of those who was at the forefront of the game he was working on for sure yeah, yeah. Uh, it definitely will be nice to see him back on the BlizzCon stage, which, by the way, the last wave of those insanely, stupidly overpriced tickets goes on sale today. <laughs> or you could just watch the stream stuff for free if you don't want to pay $300 to $700 to get there. Well, to get in. Because then you still need airfare and hotel. Mm. SAG-AFTRA members vote almost unanimously. Almost unanimously. It was like what, pretty like, damn close. Yeah, it was like what 98% or something like that. 98.32% in favor of striking against video game companies. Now remember, SAG AFTRA still has its current strike going on against movie production houses, but this is specific to video games. 
uh, more voiceover work, but there also are asks in the uh, proposed asks for their contracts for motion capture, safety protocols, uh, AI protocols, and not asking people to do stunts on self-taping auditions, which I really wouldn't think would need to be something in a contract. If I'm going to self-tape an audition here at home, I'm not going to do a backflip for you. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry, but whatever. This would include like Activision and EA and all those other companies. Now, it should be noted here, this does not mean they are going to strike. It just means that the members have approved a strike if needed. Because there so are I have an update on that. Okay, so the uh, prior to Q's update here, the negotiations were still ongoing on a contract which had already been extended by a year. Technically, they're working under an extension of the previous contract. Q, what's the update? All right, so they were supposed to have discussions uh, over the course of like three days, 20, uh, I think it was the 26, 27, 28. Yesterday, sag After posted on their site that sag After and video game employers concluded scheduled negotiations for the interactive media agreement. No deal was reached and the current agreement will remain in effect while the parties make final efforts to reach a deal. So it looks like there's going to be one more round of attempting to negotiate. And then if that doesn't happen then they start striking um it i guess the the general hope now is that with um the wga having gotten the, their deal which should, yeah the writer's is strike is, is over a, well it's it's over pending signatures right it's over tentatively it's not officially over like they're they're back to writing but if things if something weird happens between now and october 9th then, um, you know, then that could change. But it seems doubtful that anything's going to happen. But with that happening and, you know, the the um, the SAG strike for movies, the, I, maybe they're just kind of hoping that between those two things, when this, if the SAG strike for movies ends relatively soon, now that the WGA strike is over, maybe they're hoping they won't have to do it with video game companies, that they'll get the hint. <laughs> everything's just burning down gang it's just uh, I, I wish it worked like that i wish they would get the hint and work i mean out. that'd be nice it's just all burning down <laughs> hey sony was hacked again troy what the hell's going on there well allegedly 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 allegedly, allegedly uh around six thousand files were compromised in a recent hack from a new hacker group and uh it contained things like html files and and, and little stuff that wasn't uh, apparently not like user information and things like that like it was last time uh a group called ransom.vc said in a statement that we won't ransom them we will sell the data due to sony not wanting to pay data is for sale we are selling it sony's uh get ready for this this might surprise you. Sony has responded to the situation. Issued in a statement to IGN, Sony said, we're currently investigating the situation and we have no further comment at this time. Ooh, yeah, power. My, my favorite bit, though, in all of this is that the 
the the ransom VC people are the ones who said in cases where payments not received or obliged to report a data privacy law violation. Right. <laughs> so yeah, due to GDPR, they had to report Sony didn't pay us and we have their data. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they're the good guys or something. It's another situation though, where we didn't hear it from Sony first. Right. Although yeah. this one, uh, albeit, a little different, right? We don't have any reason yet to believe that there's customer compromising data in there, like their last mega breach that they stayed quiet on forever. Uh, but still, I don't, I'm not sure if these two stories are related in any way, shape or form, but CEO of Sony and head of PlayStation, Jim Ryan will be retiring in March. He says, Chris, I'm out. I'm not dealing with this again. <laughs> You know, Activision is going to be purchased by Microsoft. I couldn't stop it. Sony is hacked. You know, Sony's a big company. Jim Ryan is not, you know, you know he's not the day-to-day. He's not sitting on a computer going, hey, I think there's a breach, right? He's the CEO. Yeah. So. But yeah, he's uh, he's going to retire. He's been there almost three, almost 30 years. And uh, it's, we're getting the, hey, I, you know, it's time to go spend time with family. It's a little bit rough living in Europe while working in North America. So everybody took to Twitter, including Phil Spencer from Xbox to say, hey, you know what? You're a great dude. You've done great things. Thank you so much. But uh, yeah, sure, they're totally unrelated. And then the rest of the world burnt down on Thursday when Epic Games announced that it was, and this isn't even in our show notes. I don't think I put it in here, did I? Oh yeah, I did. Uh, I did add it. Yeah, I did, did add it. We'll do that one first. Uh, Epic Games announced it is laying off 16% of its staff, almost 900 people across multiple departments in an effort to save money. And Tim Sweeney's statement, Troy, it looked a lot like, looked a lot like he was, and Q and I, you, you and I talked about this. It looked, looked like he was trying to like passively blame Fortnite. Uh, obviously huge money-making property for them, then, of course, Unreal Engine 5, and then the myriad of other projects that they're involved in. So it's not like this company's hurting for money, but as far mm. as profits go, you know, they're getting ready to end the financial year, want that balance sheet to be looking good as they report their financials, so almost 900 people getting the axe from the company. Tim Sweeney talking about, hey, Fortnite is finally growing again, because there was a period where, yes, well-populated, yes, profitable, yes, making a ton of money, but not growing. It is growing again, in large part thanks to the Fortnite creative stuff that has been added. But there's a revenue split with creators that goes on there that while we're growing, it's not as profitable a growth as some of our previous growth spurts, which did not involve a revenue share. So unfortunately... Line level, once again, getting the axe from companies that are making bajillions of dollars, Troy. Making all of the money. And well, that's the problem, right? They're not yeah, making all of the money. It's not all the money. It's right. not all the money that, that we, all of us have. And that's, that's what they really want. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, it's getting time for financials to come out again. So, you got you to gotta cut those jobs, man. You got to cut the people who make everything happen for you. 
And that way your bottom line well, that's is good when those reports that's come the thing, in. though, is their money, where their money is going is to the other people that are making things happen for them, the, you know, where they're like, screw, we'll just make player the players make the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they they figured out how to make players do the work for them so they no longer, and, and, and you know, pay them less for it than they would actually pay the actual employees sitting in their office. So That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. I mean, that's closing in on a fifth of Epic Games staff. 16%. Almost. We get to 20%. We're talking a fifth of the staff there. Not small layoffs by any stretch of the imagination. We saw it all over Twitter, too. Uh, you know, a bunch of employees looking for jobs. Obviously, we hope that they land on their feet very, very quickly. It's just such a weird industry right now, man. It really is. Like, everything's live service, but there's only so many of us humans in so many hours, right? Like, mm -hmm. how many live services can we all play? And single player or, you know, finite games aren't profitable or they, they can't work. And then you see Baldur's Gate 3 just, like, absolutely smash it, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a weird time in it, gaming. The you, lesson there is put Bear 6 in your game. <laughs> Well, you also have like these longtime high executives or high roles, senior roles in development, leave a company and then can't find work in other places, even though they're senior developers from longstanding projects, because like all these companies are getting the more quote unquote disposable junior developers, right? Get them in there, develop it, and then lay them off when it's all done. It's, yeah. Tori saying, how is Epic Games less than half the people of Unity and still have more projects, more profit, and still laying people off? Well, also keep in mind that Epic has its own distribution channel, too. So there's not a lot that goes on there, but there's a lot of money going in and out of that spot, too, as well as licensing Unreal 5 to basically everybody. Um, in uh, yeah, Unity, by the way, backtracking on a lot of stuff. That's fun. <sighs> Sega also feeling the financial pinch, canceling Hyenas, so that never came out. And Creative Assembly, the team behind it, going into kind of a redundancy investigation to see how many roles they can get rid of. From the Hyenas team, Troy, we are so sorry to announce the end of Hyenas development before we were ever able to bring our full vision to you. While the decision to cancel the project has not been made lightly, we know that doesn't make it any easier to accept for you or us. We knew our plans were ambitious, and we knew we were diving headfirst into competition with some of the greats, but we believed in the journey and we're proud to have taken every step along the way. We hope you'll join us in remembering the action-packed zero-G chaos and the diehard community of players that helped make it special. Total War fans, pretty happy. Uh, about all this stuff as uh, Jason Winter popped into our chat today to, to <laughs> let us know. Creative Assembly being Total War and Hyenas is a weird project for me and it has nothing to do with like the quality of the game itself. Uh, whether you like that or not, it was just like this is a team that's never really done like a competitive shooter like this diving into a market, Troy, that is, I would say, oversaturated with competitive shooters. Like everybody's trying to make a competitive shooter. And I think it's just a little too late for some of these companies that have never done one to try and do things. Yeah, you, you're coming in to, it's sort of like, uh, you know, MOBAs was like that for a while, and then yeah. Battle Royales were like that for a while, and kind of still are a little bit. 
but yeah, it's it's all about the competitive shooters, the extraction shooters, things like that nowadays. Uh, seems to be hero shooters. You know, anything like that is is there's plenty of them out there, and you've got new folks coming in trying to do one as well. Like you said, they haven't really done anything like that before. Uh, it can be rough going, and obviously this one didn't make it and never saw the light of day. But you know, it's unfortunate for the team that was working on it, and it's unfortunate for the players who were maybe looking forward to it. But at the end of the day, they were going into an oversaturated market, like you said, and I don't know that success was going to be on the table necessarily. Chirac in chat saying Redfall. So um, Redfall's a bit different, I, I would think, because that team had done shooters before, like they did Prey and stuff. I guess you could argue that Redfall was a more multiplayer shooter while Prey was very solo-oriented, so there was a, a difference there. But it was a narrative-driven shooter, and they had done that before. This was like the Total War people doing a competitive shooter. That's like whoosh, a huge jump. That's kind of like, I don't know, when you task a, a team that is predominantly experienced in making single-player action games like Tomb Raider, and you ask them to do a live-service uh, looter game like Marvel's Avengers. I'm just saying it's kind of similar <laughs> to, to that <laughs> idea. Or saying, hey, Bayonetta was really cool. How about you make Babylon's Fall? Yeah. Let's slide over into some other news here. We'll talk about some new games and some updates. Troy, I'm going to let you... I think you and I disagree on this one. I watched your first look, but Warhaven, both of us, the first look is up on the site. You can go check it out. Uh, Warhaven first look, the kind of melee brawler, team-based, hero-based PvP game. Both of us were very, very excited by the potential. And I think you walked away a little more invested than I did. So let's talk about it. What'd you think? So I'm still playing it. I play it every night now. Uh, speaking of, you know, how many live service games can we play at a time? Uh, <laughs> this this one has made it onto the list for me. <coughs> Excuse me. This is an absolute blast to play. Uh, the, of course, it, it has its issues. It's 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 got some hit registration issues. It's, it's got some, uh, you know, little little quirks here and there. I haven't seen a ton of like game breaking bugs or anything like that. I haven't seen a ton of hackers or anything at this point. Uh, but it's definitely got its share of bugs and tweaks that need to be made to it. But at the end of the day, it's a core of a, of a really fun game and a really fun brawler. And time to kill is a little low, uh, but that's just the way the game works. And you can't go in. You can't just you just can't be a left click Andy. You've got to pay attention. It's not nearly as in depth combat wise as something as For Honor. It is it is way more arcadey than that. But you can't go in and be a left click Andy and just expect to kill everything. You have to pay attention to what's going on around you. If you're outnumbered, you're gonna die. Uh, you might get a kill or two in there, but you're you know outnumbered. You got to pay attention to where you are on the map, what you're doing, who you're surrounded by, and what's going on with the objectives and everything going on around you. Team deathmatch is probably my least favorite mode in this because there's no objectives to play. You're just lining up. And they've got this fairly good-sized map for a team deathmatch, and nobody utilizes it. You just line up in one spot and just start killing each other. So their team deathmatch is lackluster. What's you know really bad? And I haven't seen I haven't seen the capture of the flag. I don't think it's even in the game anymore. I have, I've played hours and hours of this at this point, and I still have not seen the capture the flag mode. Yeah, because it so, randomly cues the mode. Yeah, you randomly choose the mode every time. They did ask in their Discord the other day. You know, would it be nice to 
when you're queuing up, differentiate between whether you want 12v12 or 6v6. And 6v6 is the team deathmatch mode. And I would love if they would separate that out from everything else because I hate playing the team deathmatch mode. It's it's so boring and just repetitive. You're just going out there and just killing each other with nothing else going on. Because part of what I really like about the game is going and playing the objectives, pushing this payload, as you can see in the video. And then there's that big cannon that just killed me. Uh, you can go play that objective as well and, and fight back and forth over having the cannon to blow up the enemies. It's just a lot going on, and I really enjoy the game. So I enjoy it. I think there's a few things stopping it from being actually a really good game, though. Um, and one of them you kind of mentioned where you said, hey, the combat's not as involved as something like For Honor, but it's not just single click, you know, go mash the buttons. Uh, there are odd combos and odd ways to parry and block into an attack and stagger. And they're, they're all, that, that is there. It is, it is absolutely there. It's there to the point where when I was doing like the tutorial stuff with all the different classes, like the advanced tutorial stuff, mm -hmm. uh, some of the times I couldn't even get the ability they were trying to get me to do to trigger. Like it, there was one or two, particularly with like the, the horse riding immortal, because you can turn into an immortal once per match. Yeah. The horse riding immortal, there were a couple abilities they were trying to get me to do that I just could not get it to do until like 20 minutes later and I, sometimes it was by accident that I was like I, I was having that problem with just just the guardian as well in the yeah. advanced tutorials getting like the uh the dash shield break to, to to work properly uh some of that stuff you know yeah. really needs to be addressed it needs to be the combat needs to be tightened up i'm okay with it being a little less involved or uh tit for tat or strategic than for honor but it, i i do feel like it is missing a lot of impact in some places and a lot of fluidity in some places. Uh, the lack of like a truly ranged class, I also think hurts this game. There, There is one, what, what is she? I forget what she is. She can do some spells from afar, but she still is supposed to get into melee at certain times too. So uh, apparently there was an archer in the game at one point that's supposed to be coming back later. That'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. On the payment side of things, they didn't screw it up. That's amazing. Like everything is cosmetic. <laughs> yeah. Like they didn't screw it up. So there is a there is a battle pass, but everything in the shop is cosmetic. Everything in the battle pass is cosmetic. Uh, you get more XP bumps. You get a little bit of coin back uh, from what you paid into the battle pass. And it's Nexon. Uh, like I'm and it's amazed. Nexon. That's exactly what I was going to say. And it's Nexon. So that's actually a little surprising for me. Q, you still have no interest in this one. Oh, uh, Q for you and Troy. You mentioned in the first look, but not here. As soon as you boot it up, it does ask about motion sick features. That's like the first oh, yeah, thing yeah, it throws yeah. at you. Do you want us to shut off all the motion sick stuff? Which I was like, <laughs> hey, that's cool. That That's cool for it being the, you know, like the blur and the camera shake. And like you can get it all turned off immediately by default, which mm -hmm. I was like, that's very considerate. Yeah, that that's that's a nice feature that should just kind of be in any game. Yeah, it's but it's also like third when you, person. When your game so starts with a cutscene you should automatically have subtitles on by default to, to start. But anyway, that's... yeah. So the people, so the people know they're there. Uh, yeah, no, this, that, the, this is a one that I would like have any interest in playing. I'm not like, I, I, I'm fine doing PVP and MMOs and stuff, but I am not interested in PVP centric games. Just, I have way too much anger to be doing PVP <laughs> as a thing. 
like is a real thing. So yeah, and that's funny. I don't I don't do a ton of PvP in MMOs. Same I, here. I like my I like my PvP to be in PvP centric games. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the exact opposite too. Um hey, Pantheon this week, speaking of game updates. This one's weird. They released a video showing their updated art style. And it's very, you know, paintly, right? It's very... Stylized? Stylized, yeah, extremely stylized. Now, from a global perspective, looking at this, I don't personally care, right? Like, looking at the art style, realist realism versus stylized, realism versus cartoony is the way some people describe it. Like, I don't personally care. I play games that are both. Um, and I, I'm not looking at their art aesthetic saying, I don't like this. I, I'd be fine with it. I can definitely see some people being miffed. I can also see things the developers say in this video about longevity, right? Realism only stays realistic for a, a given period of time before the tech makes it look dated. Mm -hmm. I would also argue that some of Pantheon's previous videos did already look dated. We're talking about a game that kickstarted itself in 2014, right? We're almost... Jesus, has it been that long? Yeah. We're almost 10 years down the road here, like a little over nine years down the road. So, okay. I don't have a problem with the art style itself. What I think is weird, Troy, and I think needs to be talked about, and I do see it being talked about on Reddit and on uh, various Pantheon fan sites, this is nine years in the making, and you're just now getting to, this is the aesthetic we want our game to have. And they said in the video that, like, hey, we've been building this with predominantly Unity assets. We never really had an opportunity to sit down and discuss what do we want the art style to look like, and we've just kind of absorbed this Unity Assets look. Now that we're having those conversations and we have so many Unity Assets in here, we, we want to try to do this. It also has increased the production capability of Art Assets because we're able to pump them out faster. That's all well and good, but in nine years, you haven't talked about the art style? <laughs> I, uh, maybe it's just a miswording, but... Yeah, I mean, surely to goodness they've talked about getting rid of the, or maybe they haven't. Maybe they were just gonna, uh, up to a certain point, rely on the Unity Store, you know, assets, which I think would have, like you said, it was already starting to look dated. Um, to to see them just now becoming with an art style, not only has it increased their production, you know, capability, it's also increased their production time. I am sure. Now that they're finally just now, you know, nine years later, replacing all those uh, Unity art assets, there's probably a lot of stuff to replace and rework and draw up and get looking the way that you want it to look now. Yeah, and, and Q, I, I want to stay away from the argument of do you like the art style or not? Because that's going to be highly subjective to begin with, right? Anytime you go stylized, you're going to have the crew that's like, I love that aesthetic. You're going to have the crew that says, that looks terrible. I don't like that aesthetic. Where I'd like to talk the, about this a little more, though, is for nine years, people that have been following Pantheon, and I am one of them, I want this to do well. I'm a bit more realistic than some, and just because of the nature of my job here, in I don't know if this is ever going to come out or if it's going to be what I want it to be when it does, but I like some of the things they're doing, and I keep watching what they're doing. 
They're opening up more testing and longer testing. That's all well and good. But for nine years, you've been showing a particular product, and there was never really an indication in the Kickstarter or any of the things subsequent to that that, hey, what we're doing here may not be what this looks like. Of course, they've put the, disqual the, the qualifiers on it of in development, you know, things could change. But when you've presented a certain aesthetic for nine years, I don't think it's reasonable for most of your audience to think, well, we could still have a wild aesthetic change. And even something like the overall aesthetic could be the decision maker for somebody who supported your Kickstarter nine years ago, now looks at where you're going and says, if I would have known this back then, I wouldn't have supported. Well, this isn't the art style the I like. This is the thing about Kickstarter too, right? When Kickstarters are done usually, like early on, one of the first things they show you is preliminary art related stuff. Yeah, like stuff, proof right? of concept this, stuff. This is our vision for our game. And there is the assumption that, you know, with changing tech and stuff like that, it it, it could change a bit. But what they're what they're giving you, right, is the vibe of the game, right. which the art it, it, you know affects heavily like you know it it's say the difference between me going and playing um palia and you know going and you know like playing something that's you know looks much more real like the 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 art does affect the vibe the the, the mood of the game the way thing you know and I'm I'm definitely not an anti uh, stylized person, like or you know, and you know anything that isn't realistic. Like I play Genshin Impact for crying out loud, <laughs> but I I do think like if it, if it were me, I think if it were anything other than an improvement on the looks that they had been you know showing me for the last nine years, I'd be pretty heated about it because it's it is it is it does hedge into making it a different game just based on the kind of world that they're dropping you into and this is a game where you're expecting me to spend a lot of time in your world and if i you know you know back to your game back in the day it was partially based on oh this is what this game is going to look like you know or it's what it's going to feel like when i'm in there so I mean, yeah, it, people who I think upset, it's it's not unreasonable for them to be annoyed by the fact that they backed it thinking it was going to be one thing. But at this point, and, uh, you know, that was back when Kickstarter was fresher, right? A little bit newer. And and at this point, if you're backing games and don't assume that there's probably going to be some sort of hijinks in the process, that's on yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Troy, this was so much of a kind of, debate point that the September producer's letter kind of had to go on the defensive again and reiterate some of the things that they said when this video was originally released a few days ago, talking about why the change. When we look at the Pantheon project, we targeted a more realism-based art style. As development continued, we began to realize that this direction caused a few problems. The target style didn't perform as well as we would have liked in-game, and it was expensive to make. With our new painted style, we addressed both problems. A simpler style is less taxing on hardware, making it much easier to hit faster frame rates and less likely to slow down performance in busy areas. Additionally, the style is much quicker to create and implement. In August, for example, 
they they list a bunch of things that they added, but I'll give you the summation part. This is about four or five times more art than we were able to produce with the old style. Visionary Realms is a team of about 30 people across all departments, and we're crowdfunded. A simpler, more efficient art style fits in perfectly with our budgetary needs. Not only can the art be done quicker, but it's less expensive. And we want Pantheon to have its own identity. We didn't feel it had that or its own soul with the old style. I would not be debating any of those mass massive points with, with anybody if this was put out, you know, six months after the Kickstarter, if not in the Kickstarter itself, a year in the Kickstarter. Proof of concept, here's what we want to do, here's what's a little more realistic, yep. let's roll. Now that we're nine years down the road. Why did it take you nearly a decade right, to did figure it, really it out? Take, to figure it out. Yeah. Like, did it really take 10 years to figure out that a team of 30 wasn't going to be able to maintain that? How many things did you build with performance issues before you were like, hey, maybe graphically we need to make a change <clears> here. <throat> this is this is the part where it gets a little weird for me, Troy. Like, We're nine years in and we're changing the art style from top to bottom now. And it becomes another one of those issues for these Kickstarter MMOs. Like, are they ever going to launch? Are we ever going to see these, you know, in, in a fully fleshed out version besides, you know, tech demos and proof of yeah. concepts and here's our new art style and stuff like that. Are we ever going to see actual games come out of these that are that are worth playing? Uh, and, before, and, Troy, I don't mean to interrupt, but right now the no, B-roll is showing characters in this new style. I'm going to switch the B-roll now to an old video previewing the shaman uh, so that you can see what the character art style was before. While Troy, you, you go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I don't even remember what I was saying now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It was <laughs> just okay. a perfect time to swap the B-roll because we were seeing yeah. human you know, characters. I do wonder how, how much of this is something that prior to Kickstarter, prior to people being more involved in the prior to the gamers being more involved in the process of development, right? Prior to constant weekly updates from the very beginning of a project to the end. I wonder where in game development back, you know, before they did that, where this thing happened, maybe happened all the time and we just didn't know about it. Like nine years in, oh fuck, we need to change the game. <laughs> like, I wonder if that was more common at that point, but it just seems like such a waste of money to me to wait a decade to figure out what your art style is going to be. Yeah, I'm just giving it money the nod. Like, like, like Mike said earlier, how much, how much time and effort and money have they spent on developing assets in in the in, with the unity engine assets instead of instead of moving on with their new art style that that sounds like works better and it's cheaper to produce and but yeah it took a decade to figure all that out and decide that we're going to make that change like how how much further out are we are we now from seeing this game uh, i think that's what i was talking about earlier is you know are these kickstarters ever going to launch are we ever going to see one actually make it to retail and I don't know what the answer to that is at this point. There are there are quite a few going on right now that just uh, seem like they're never going to see the light of day. And the game's built up a following, right? Whether it's somebody that supported it or somebody that's just stumbled across it later and is like, yeah, I, I, I'm interested in this. Looking at the older graphics, there is the acknowledge the old art style. There is the acknowledgement that it is dated, right? But the people that were 
championing Pantheon, including me, are like, yeah, I understand that, though. You know, it's a team of 30 people. Uh, there's going to be limitations on what that team can do. And you know what? I'm the type that I literally last week, Troy, I didn't tell you because I'm still leveling, but I jumped back into Lotro. Like, I'll jump into a dated game, a dated MMO, mm. if the game is fun. But there are people that nine years in, when you dump this new art style out there, there were people that were fans of yours that literally said, I, no. There are people that will only play a game that is aesthetically pleasing to what they're, they like. And that's fine. They have every right to do that. But for nine years, if you've been following this game and you were like, okay, I'll deal with a little bit of dated because some of the stuff they're doing looks awesome, and you just absolutely hate the new art style, you just walk away. And it took nine years to get here. Mm. That's the confusing part to me. Anyway. Yeah, I, I think that's the worst part is it feels like they've wasted a lot of time and money that, you know, by by waiting this long to for a crowdfunded to, project. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, like I said, I think that's that's what makes me, like I do suspect that historically this is a thing that has happened in game development before. Like, I'm sure oh, yeah. this is not the first company to go along, but before it was behind closed doors we didn't know about it until they had settled on something and decided this is the game we're going to show everybody. But that's not the way it works when you're crowdfunding a game from scratch. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I <clears throat> want Pantheon to do well. Do I think it's ever going to come out? I, I don't know. I mean, we've been at this for nine years. We're going to change the art style now. To their credit, they are opening up testing and leaving on some, you know, forever testing instead of just these very dedicated periods of time. So there, there is that feeling of pushing forward in some ways. But I feel like this, to your point, Troy, is a bit of a step back. Even if they can do these new assets and things faster, that's great. But you still have to go do them uh, mm. where that wasn't originally part of the plan. So you might be able to do them faster, but it's still work you weren't originally planning on or at least publicly planning on. I hope this does see the light of day. I'm a huge pantheon, let's go get it. But I'm also a realist in, <sighs> this is taking a lot of time and a lot of money to get here. And while I do feel like we're moving forward, there are concerns. And I think if you're a fan of pantheon and you have concerns, that's fine, you should. You should. Doesn't mean I think it's never gonna come out, but is there a shot that it never comes out? Yes, and it's important, I think, to acknowledge that that is a possibility, even if it's not the, the possibility or the end game you want. If you have concerns, you have a healthier relationship with your game than Star Citizen folks do because they don't seem to have any concerns and they still think that thing's coming out. <laughs> That's true. Hey, before we slide over and do the weekly bombs queue, is there anything coming up that you're, uh, you're eagerly awaiting or anticipating? Uh, Game-wise? <laughs> yeah. I always uh, like to do a little quick check-in before the end of the year, a couple points through the year. Excuse me. Ooh, burp. Uh, I mean, I, I, I am going to pick up Phantom Liberty for... Uh, but it's it's that's come out, I think, right? I lost, I lost track. It's just on my I need to purchase it next month thing. Uh, other than that, everything that's been on my radar has been, you know, shows. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> the new Doctor Who season is coming up in November. That's where all my energy is at now. <laughs> Troy, what are you looking forward to? 
It's all about next week, baby. It's all about Rise of the Angry Earth, the uh, first paid expansion for New World. Um, that's where all my energy is right now. I've been doing nothing but prepping for this thing for the past couple of weeks in game, trying to get uh, some of my furnishing leveled up and my trophies leveled up and just preparing to uh, to jump into that expansion and get me a mount and explore the new zone and you know the new leveling system and the new... The new item, the new way gear is going to work in the game, more like a traditional MMO. So I'm just looking forward to everything uh, coming in the New World expansion. I'll tell you what, I didn't think I'd be all that interested in the first Descendant, but playing that crossplay beta, I'm uh, I want more. I was disappointed when it went down. Disappointed when the testing went down. I had it downloaded, but I never, uh, I never jumped in. I was always too busy with something else, and then Warhaven caught my attention, so. Let's go do the weekly bombs. What do you got, Q? Uh, I am going to give a bomb to the WGA for sticking to their stuff and actually getting pretty much what they wanted. The I uh, I don't know if you saw their contract, but like what the um MPTP was holding out on paying like, what was it, $45 billion, I think, over the next three years. And now they're paying 400 or they're paying like three times what they were going to pay or something like that. It's insane. What do you got, Plus, Troy? they lost $400 million. <laughs> uh, A-bomb to layoff season starting in video games. There's going to be a lot of folks looking for, looking for work and... That's unfortunate because it always happens this time of year and, and closer to the holiday season. Closer to the holiday season, we get the more layoffs we're going to see, and it's unfortunate that the games industry works that way. It's it's not just the games industry. A friend of mine pointed it out to me years ago. He's in insurance. It's all industries. They all do this. I'm going to give a dub bomb to Headbangers. It's almost here. My pigeon rhythm game, October 34th. <laughs> Pre-orders are live right now. Uh, from the viewers in chat, Terra Nova saying, A-bomb for what could be the cancellation of the KOTOR remake due to PlayStation pulling all mention of the game from its socials and the trailer announcement from its YouTube channel. Nothing has been said yet by Embracer Group, who own the dev team Saber Interactive. Yeah, if, if there's anything you're looking forward to that has Embracer tied to it, be careful right now. Yeah, be it could be bad. Be careful right now. Uh, Takao says, A-bomb to people lying to themselves and others on the internet saying companies are not your friend, but then get mad when a company, as for example, Unity, doing something unfriendly. Either you lied about knowing companies are not your friends, or you're doing fake outrage for internet upvotes. Okay, there are many situations where YouTube content creators do fake outrage for clicks. You know, that's, I'm not going to argue that point with you. Specifically, mm. though, since you brought up Unity... I think there's a difference between acknowledging that a company is not your friend and will make decisions that maybe aren't consumer centric because they're shareholder concentric or uh, shareholder centric uh, versus seeing a company establish a practice and then uh, and establish that practice on the back of, hey, we're doing it this way because other ways aren't uh, friendly to you as the consumer 
and then backtracking that and trying to do it some other way after they've got you on board. I think you can be both. I think you can recognize companies aren't your friend, but then also be involved with a company in some way and then be upset at about a, a change or a decision um, for them doing things. But to your point as a consumer, that's when you say, yeah, that really pisses me off. I'm not going to use your service anymore. Uh, counterpoint, never be surprised by any business move ever. Eh, I don't think that's, that's really fair either. Like when a company establishes itself for behaving a certain way for a certain reason, um, and then backtracks it, I, I think you have every right to be upset uh, or surprised. But to your point, then you just stop using them. Go ahead, Q, take the next one. <clears throat> the house always wins. A-bomb to growing old. I'm an avid fan of KFC's numerous game-related promotions. Don't know why, I just am. Whether it's for Diablo 4 cosmetics or their <laughs> own dating sim. The dating sim was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was. I am <laughs> <laughs> uh, ready with the credit card to scarf down some of their nasty chicken sandwiches in order to take home some fancy virtual goods. Lo and behold, KFC is now teaming up with my favorite critically acclaimed massively multiplayer role-playing game, Final Fantasy XIV, question mark. How many buckets of greasy drumsticks do I have to eat in order to get that pristine <laughs> Colonel Sanders white suit? Um, at least that was the plan. I just came back from my yearly physical and apparently my cholesterol is quite high, dangerously so. No idea how that happened, lol. Anyway, my days of eating artery clogging filth in order to game flashy and game cosmetics is over. I am now officially an old man. Just so you know, way before this happened, there was somebody who basically cosplayed as Colonel Sanders in Final Fantasy XIV for a long time. So there's a white suit in there that you can get somewhere. Yeah. And cosplays And sadly, the KFC promotion, at least right now, is going to be Japan only. Uh, they've done it before where it ends up coming here. Uh, but at least for now, will be Japan only. And it'll get you the eat chicken emote, similar to when they did the eat pizza emote here in, uh, in the West. So you're not missing out on a suit. Take care of yourself. House always wins. You're one of our long timers here. And we love you. Go ahead, Troy. Now, speaking of chickens, Tori the chicken. Yeah, maybe a look at that segue. <laughs> yeah. Maybe A-bomb, the Discord for the timed files thing, will make a bunch of track mania community things need to scramble to find other options, even though I sort of get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, question of the week last week, would Microsoft buying Nintendo be a good thing for gaming or gamer, gamers in general? And if you had a preference for the big three, which one would buy the other? Nuno Silva says, <coughs> excuse me, they didn't say that. I said that. Nuno Silva actually said, Microsoft should buy Sega. So many wasted IPs that should be brought back. Shining Force 3, oh, yes. My favorite game, Dragon Force, etc. I'm with, etc. I'm with you on Shining Force 3 and Sega, obviously, you know, canceling hyenas. And, and they blamed, what did they blame, Q? They blamed their European sales because, hey, turns out, when people are quarantined, they spend a lot more, and they may not spend as much when they aren't quarantined. Yeah. So the the, the what they're closing down, right, is is Europe like or is projects going on in Europe specifically, and particularly the UK, where the UK had a lot of quarantining going on for a while, right? Like they're on and off quarantining and stuff. Um, and I don't. 
I don't understand how they didn't um, like predict this being a thing that, hey, eventually quarantine, forced quarantine is no longer going to be a thing and people aren't just going to be sitting at home anymore. So maybe we should account for that, you know, ahead of time. But like, I, I don't understand. Go ahead and take the next one. <clears throat> uh, Corey V, Microsoft should never buy Nintendo. Nintendo is one of the longest running companies in Japan. It came in like the 1800s. Japan also doesn't like foreign companies taking over their companies. Not to mention Microsoft bought ZeniMax and Activision, which means no one is going to allow Microsoft to buy a company like Nintendo. I hope they do EverQuest 3 right. I have been playing EverQuest since 1999, back when I was 11. It would be nice not getting another EQ2. Yeah, I mean, you can buy a Japanese company not being a Japanese company, but you're right. There are additional hurdles uh, put in your way there. And and yeah, realistically, I think Microsoft, Troy, buying Nintendo would be a much harder acquisition at this point to get approval from, seeing how hard it was to get approvals for just Activision Blizzard. So I was going to say, if you want to see, you know, some some governments balk at something, you know, worse than what they did, the Activision Blizzard, <laughs> let them try to buy something as big as Nintendo. <laughs> Go ahead. Take the next one there. Uh, Flame Speed, YMV. Microsoft, Nintendo can both die for all I care. I definitely don't want Microsoft anywhere near, near Valve and Steam. I don't think you have to worry about that one. I think you're safe, yeah, think at least for a little fine. while. Uh, Tori the Chicken says, I can't imagine it being a good thing, honestly, but that's just gut reaction. The only console I care about nowadays is the Switch. Otherwise, I'll do PC all the way. But the weird and wacky concepts by Nintendo are a selling point for me. Something we did talk about on last week's show with uh, Ginger Prime there that, you know, Nintendo does go a little out of the box sometimes. Go ahead, Q. Nintendo does what it wants. <laughs> uh, to Cal2399, it would be great if Microsoft bought Nintendo. Nintendo has good game ideas, but their hardware sucks. Getting bought out by would allow Nintendo IP to move into the modern age. Definitely a plus mm -hmm. of a sale like that would be getting Nintendo products on other platforms, particularly PC. Something that's a not a generation or two behind. <laughs> right. Uh, question of the week this week. Is Pantheon's art change a good move or a bad move for Pantheon itself? Or if you don't care about Pantheon, what are your thoughts on changing the art style of an in-production MMO nine years into production? Let us know in the comments below. Don't forget your weekly bombs, dub bomb for something good, a bomb for something bad in the world of gaming or just life in general. And until next time, Troy, where can everybody find you? I'm on the socials that you prefer. It's at Nuke Fridge. Cute. <laughs> uh, still kind of lurking on Twitter at Quentlin. Uh, on Blue Sky Miscreation. I'm Mike Byrne. You can follow me right there at MagicMan1, but more importantly, follow at MMOBomb so you'll know every time we go live, like yesterday's Star Trek Online key giveaway, with a podcast, hanging out, news articles, first look videos, and more. Stay safe. We'll see you on the servers.